This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I just encourage you to keep coming to church and allow God to soak you in His presence and His Word, and He'll begin to change you. Again, I had this thought in the first service that oftentimes in our life we may have little rough stretches, and even King David experienced that in Psalm 51 verse 10. He said, Lord, create in me a new heart and renew me with the right spirit. The message translation of that says, Lord, shape or or create a Genesis week in the chaos of my life. And that may be you today, man. Your life may be chaotic today. and You just say, Lord, I ask you to shape a new beginning in my life. And he'll begin to do that and he'll work on you. And so I encourage you to call on the name of the Lord. If you need a Bible this morning, why don't you get your hand up real high. So our ushers will get you one, then go to the book of John, chapter 3. Again, we're on the series, Discovering God, and I'm going to get to Rahab here in a little bit, just because it's one of my favorite passages of all the Bible, and so we'll believe God for that. Um, Many of you didn't know that we had hired a crane company called Gabriel and Michael. That's a joke, those are angels. People have the thought that the crane brought that steeple down. It wasn't a crane, okay? And so when I got up here this morning, it was about 3 in the morning, and I saw a lane in the front yard, and I realized real quick, that's the goodness of God right there. I don't know if we could have shoved it off. It could have fell in a better place. <laughs> when I looked at it, I realized God protected us and all that. So thank God God's got a plan, and we'll be able to move forward, and life will go on, I promise you. Well, let's begin here. John chapter 3, the Lord Jesus begins to speak here. He said, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again or born from above, He cannot see the kingdom of God. The Amplified says it this way, you cannot see or know or be acquainted with and experience the kingdom of God. So Jesus' words, I want to highlight a little bit there. He said, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Now he wasn't talking about a physical birth there. He was talking about a spiritual birth. And the way that happens is that I repent of my sins and I ask Jesus to come into my heart. And so... When we're not born again, we're disconnected from our source. God is ever one of our sources. And so the way I get plugged back into God is I get born again. It's very similar to that to a self-cleaning oven. You can have a self-cleaning oven, but unless that oven is plugged into the electricity, the power source, it does me no good. Keep reading. Verse number 4. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say unto you, lest one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So the first thing he deals with, he said, you must be born of the water. Well, there's two, two looks at that or two slants at it. Some believe it's water baptism. Some look at it and say it's literally the physical birth that when a woman's water breaks, the child is then birthed. And so I believe it's talking more and more about a, a, a physiology or a, a, a biological birth than it is any other thing. 
The second thing, though, is he said you must be born again. So when you think about those two things, childbirth in the natural and being born again are very similar. When we're born into the world or a baby is born into the world, there's great excitement, great joy, great enthusiasm. But even the Bible says that when one is born again, the angels in heaven rejoice. There's great excitement. But we all know this, that when you get born into this earth as a baby, that's just the beginning or the starting point. It's the same spiritually. What begins to happen is physically you begin to grow. You begin to mature. You begin to develop. Well, that's God's same look or his desire for every one of us spiritually is that I get born again, but that isn't the end point. I continue to grow, to develop, and to mature spiritually. But right here he says, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So are we candidates to be born again? I believe we all have to start there. And if you're not born again, you can take the advice that he gave Nicodemus and go ahead and believe that and act on that today. Turn with me to the last part of the Bible there in the book of 1 John, right there before Revelations. 1 John chapter 3. And what I want you to do is I, I want to give you another slant of what the Bible talks about here that I believe will help us. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 7. Little children, let no one deceive you or lead you astray. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as Jesus is righteous. Now, there's a word that really stands out there. He said, he who practices righteousness. The only way we're righteous is because Jesus qualifies. The 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, that uh, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So why did he say there if we would practice righteousness? Or what would practice righteousness look like? Well, listen to some of these other translations and I believe it will help you. The New Living says when people do what is right, it shows that they're righteous. Uh, the New International Version says he who does what is right is righteous. So what he begins to tell me is that when I get born again, there, there should be some evidence that I'm born again. There should be some changes in the, the way I act and I behave. It should become noticeable where they say, there's a change within you. Verse number 8. He who sins is of the devil, or he who practices sins or has the character of the devil, is for the devil has sinned from the beginning. So when we begin to look at this right here, he's literally talking about the person that practices sin, habitual sin. It shouldn't be named among a believer that that's how it still defines me as a believer, that I'm dominated by sin. Now, literally what this is talking about is people who make a practice of sinning and then they try to justify it. How would that look? Well, when I live in sin, it's very easy for people to say, well, you know what? God just wants me to be happy. Well, is being happy, is that being able to sin? I, I don't believe that's how it should be because when you think about this, I gave my heart to Jesus because I didn't like my behaviors. And so again, God's not against you being happy, but it isn't about you being happy so you can sin. Another area we try to justify our sin is many people say, well, 
That's why God gave us grace. Well, grace was never a license for me to sin. Grace is an empowerment to help me to not sin. And then one of the last ones I see is many people say, well, you know what? God loves me. Well, I'm not denying that God doesn't love us, but oftentimes he loves us, but he just doesn't like what we do. And in Proverbs 13, it instructs us as parents. It says, parents, the one who loves their children will discipline them. Their behaviors... And their attitudes. So that's very similar with God. That God wants to help us so that we're not dominated by sin. And so as we look at this here, we go back to the last part of verse 8. And it ends with, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. That he may undo or loosen or dissolve the works of the devil. So We see two strong characteristics of Jesus already. Number one, his desire is that every one of us get born again. His number two desire is that he came to destroy the works of the devil. The devil is still busy. He's doing things that come after each one of us. Now go with me to the book of Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And I want you to see the words of Jesus here this morning because he gives us great instruction. And where we're going to this, it'll play into the rest of the morning. Mark 16, this is called the Great Commission. Verse 15. And Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now it's interesting, this is the first order or command That he specifically gives to each one of us. He emphasizes this and he says, preach the gospel. Tell them the truth. Give them the word of God. Look at verse 16. And he who believes and baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned or will be damned. So when you look at this right here, in Jesus' words for humanity, there's only two choices. You either receive Jesus and you get born again, or you're eternally condemned. Now, many people who don't believe in Jesus, they'll say stuff like this to you. So you're telling me that if I don't receive Jesus as Lord of my life, that I'll go to hell for that? Well, the truth of the matter is yes. If I truly believe the Word of God, yes. God doesn't desire that any perish. That's in 1 Peter God's desire that all are born again. But every one of us have a choice. But if I really believe the scriptures, even though as hard as that may sound, I'll either be born again or I'll be condemned. Only the truth sets us free. It does me no good to stand up here and tell you, everybody's going to heaven. That's not a a true statement. Years ago, when, when my wife was teaching junior high, she had a young girl in her class who was about a 7th or 8th grader. And she came home on numerous times and, and she said to me, she said, I, I really believe we need to do some things for this young lady. We've got to get her in church. Her life is so bad. <coughs> Excuse me. We found out that, that her mother was a strong, strong heroin addict. So we begin to, to get her involved with her life. We started taking her to church. She loved going to church. 
And I remember one Wednesday night, she got in the car and Shelly said, tell him what happened tonight. And she said, I gave my heart to Jesus. I got born again. And so we begin to celebrate life with her. Well, the next year or so, she kind of goes off the map of our life and we don't have any more contact with her. And so for years, we wonder whatever happened to her. Her name was Inez. So on Friday night, I, I was speaking at my brother's church there in Clovis. And after the service, there was a lot of people we knew. And this one lady came down to the front. And she wasn't just a little bit pregnant. She, she was, in my words, miserably looking pregnant. Bless all you ladies. I don't know how you guys do it. I mean, it, it, I, I, I thought, that's like a 10-pound watermelon in her tummy. Lord bless her. And so, you know, she's showing and everything, and before long she gets up close and she addresses my wife as Mrs. Swan. Well, anytime they did that, that means she was one of their teachers. And she said, Mrs. Swan, and Shelly looked and said, you're going to have to tell me who you are. And she said, I'm Inez. Probably 25 years had passed, and we got so blessed, both of us, to realize she was still serving God. She was in my brother's church. And so the reason I tell you that is this. You never know who you're going to influence in this life when you tell them about Jesus. And won't it be fun when we get to heaven and there'll people look at you and say, the reason I'm here is because you led me to Jesus. You brought me to church. And so this is Jesus' command to each one of us. Then in verse 17 he says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, in the name of Jesus, they will cast out demons. So as I begin to look at the great commission of Jesus, do people still need to be saved? Absolutely. He said, in my name, you'll cast out demons. Do people still need to be free from demonic influence? I believe they do. I believe the devil's still here on this earth because if I read my scripture accurately, the Bible's very clear that he's going to be here until Jesus comes back. It's very obvious in, in Ephesians 6 verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rule of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. So again, Jesus is saying the way you combat the devil is in Jesus' name. He goes on to say, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and they will drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. They, me and you, believers, will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do you believe, pastor, that people still need to be healed? I do. But something happens when we obey the scriptures and we lay hands on people just like he said. Now, in this passage here, Note the end in verse number 20. And they went out and they preached everywhere. They did what Jesus said. And the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the company of signs and wonders. And so what happens here is when we preach the word, it's God's job. He comes in and says, I'm going to confirm my word. So when we look at all this, understand there's places for every one of us in this passage Certain things that we're to do as believers. Now, you're real close there to Luke 8. Go back to your right just a little bit. 
And I want you to look at Luke chapter 8. And what we're going to do here the rest of this morning, we're going to look at two different women in the Bible. We're going to look at a woman named Mary of Magdala and then Rahab. Both of these, I believe, you'll see how they discovered God. But God does some special things within them. And I believe he still wants to do those things today. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Now it came to pass afterward that Jesus went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Note what Jesus was doing. He was preaching and teaching. The reason I highlight this, this goes back to Mark 16. The exact things that he told me and you to do. He said, don't don't give them Reader's Digest stories. Preach the gospel. Preach the good news to them. Something happens when people begin to hear the word of God, the truth. And so Jesus does this and it says, And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits, demons, and infirmities, sickness. So if we look right there, the very structure that the Lord Jesus gave me and you as New Testament disciples, he said, preach the word, don't put up with the devil, and lay hands on the sick, and this is exactly what he did here. Now if you'll note some wording in there in verse 2, and he said, and certain women. It's interesting here that the disciples were with him, And this group of women were with him. In Jewish culture, the rabbi was not allowed to teach women. Many times within the church, we hear that often, that the woman is supposed to be silent within the church. But when I look at this right here, it's interesting to me that Jesus taught them. And Jesus ministered to them so much that these ladies were around him constantly. And so to me, you know what Jesus was saying right there? Men and women are created equal. If Jesus didn't have a problem with it, then who normally had a problem with it? The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the couldn't sees and the wouldn't sees. And so again, let's just look what Jesus did. Jesus becomes my guide. You know, some of the, the, the greatest prayer sessions I've ever had in my life with people laid hands on me, was women. They were so touched by God and so anointed by God that I'd say, have at it, lay hands on me, and something would happen. And so again, I'm just throwing that in as a little side note. If Jesus didn't have a problem with it, why, do we, why should we? Well, got a lot of amens out of that. Keep reading. Verse, verse 2. And Mary called Magdalene, Out of whom came seven demons. Out of whom came seven demons. Now if you have seven demons cast out of you, it's not because of righteous and holy living, okay? Many believe here she was a prostitute, but you can't find that in Scripture. It does not say that at all. But it's very clear she's got some problems. So if you've got seven demons in you, like this woman had it would be uh, obvious there's pain in your life, there's disappointment in your life, there's shame in your life, and there's probably a lot of failure in your life. And so when we look at this woman called Mary of Magdala, 
She not only discovers Jesus when he casts the devil out of her, but if you study her life, she continually serves Jesus. She had a future that was so totally different. And the Bible's very clear that the morning that Jesus rose from the grave, the very first person that saw the risen Savior was this same Mary from Magdala. This shows me two things. One, that her salvation was incredible. But number two, she kept serving Him. She kept honoring Him. God still does those things. One of the words I want to highlight here this morning is a word called restore or restoration. Now turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 2. And as you're turning there, let me give you the definition of the word restoration. It means to give back. It means to return. It means to renew. Now this is the last one. I, I really want to highlight it. It means to revise the future. So many people, when they discover God, they also have their future revised. Listen to Jeremiah 29, verse 11. The thoughts I have toward you are that of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. So what you saw with Mary of Magdala is not only did Jesus save her, he revised her future. I really want to highlight this next woman. So we start in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and they came to a house of, harlot, of a harlot named Rahab, and they lodged there. So these two spies are sent from Joshua to check out this land. And they land at this lady's house who's a harlot. And you have the thought, well, why would the Lord lead them there? Well, and I don't mean this ugly at all, okay? But one of the reasons was because all the traffic that went in and out of her house every night, it would be easy to mix right in with that flow. So if you look right here, it specifically says this name, this woman, her name was Rahab the harlot. When you see the word harlot, it gives you an idea of some of her behaviors. This woman named Rahab is mentioned eight times in the Bible. Six of the eight times, it specifically labels her Rahab the harlot. The reason I highlight that is because this was a label or this was a description that described this woman's name. Now, if she went back to her class reunion, her identity would probably have been, hey, there's Rahab the harlot. So in saying that, are there certain labels that identify you or bind you to this day? Just think about right now. Would there be certain labels that people would say, that's how I identify you know, it's old Joel the Magnificent. The handsome Darren excited. So I'm just giving you ideas of words that would describe us. 
Now, before we get born again, often we have words that describe us that aren't the greatest. But what I found out that many times, even when people get born again, if they don't allow Jesus to come in and revise their future and restore them and allow him to keep working, they go through life with that same label. Here's a thought for you. If you had friends in your life right now that were real close to you, what would the labels they give you right now? So again, I'm just throwing out things here. This was a woman whose her identity up to this point in her life had that been of a harlot. Keep reading this passage with me. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, or true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know or pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. Now I want to highlight something here on this. She sticks her neck out for these guys. In their custom, if she would have been caught hiding them, they would have killed her right there. So she really goes out on the limb for them and she hides them. Verse 7. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan to the fords. And as soon as those who were pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. That the terror of you has fallen on us, and all that the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sahan and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our heart melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you for the Lord your God. Now, if you note in there... This is the third time she identified the, the, the Lord of the Hebrews. She specifically says Lord, and he said, she said, Because for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and above and on the earth beneath. In Romans chapter 10, if you look at verse 9 and 10, it says the way we get born again as we believe with our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. I really believe right here that her confession that God, your God is Lord. I believe she gives her heart to God right there. Over and over she, she confesses how God was. Verse 12. Now therefore I beg you swear to me by the Lord since I have shown you kindness that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sister, all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Now think about her prayer right there. She said, I want my mom and dad. I want my brothers and sisters. I want all my, my relatives, my cousins. I want all of them to go to heaven with me. I want all of them to be there with me. And so, again, 
That's the same with every one of us. Our heart's desire is that all our family members go to heaven. So we keep reading, and it really gets interesting. So the men answered her, Our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business was ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, and she dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. After your word, you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless, when we come into the land, we bind this line of a scarlet cord in the window, through which you let us down, and unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your home. Now when we read about the scarlet cord, it's symbolic of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Up to this point, her past didn't matter, her present didn't matter. The only thing that he said would matter is when we come back to take this place, there better be a scarlet cord hanging out of that window. And all your family members, they better be there too. Now when you study the scarlet cord, it can take us back into the Passover there in the book of Numbers, especially Numbers 11. Remember when the spirit of death was going across the city, and the only way God said they would be protected is he said, you take the blood of an innocent lamb and you put that blood on the doorpost. And when that spirit of death comes in, if he sees the blood, he'll skip over you. Well, this was the same way that he said, when we see the blood. When we see the blood. Listen today. Because of the blood of Jesus in this woman's life. Somewhere along the way, this Gentile, this harlot, became a child of God. And her family members that were present with her, they all go to heaven too. Again, God's desire is that every one of us come under the blood of Jesus. Do you know in Revelations 12, 11, it says this, we overcome by the blood of Jesus. Something happens when we just begin to say, Father God, I, I receive your son's blood. I speak your blood over my spirit, my soul, my body, my tongue, my thoughts, my heart. I speak your blood over my hands. I allow the redemptive work of Jesus Christ's blood to go to work for me. And so this woman not only gets saved, but listen real close. He revises her future. This woman who had baggage, who had a label, that of a harlot, her life completely changes. If we were to study the Bible out here, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, this is the genealogy or the family line of Jesus Christ. And it says in there, there was a man named Salmon, and Salmon had a son named Boaz. So Salmon was Boaz's son. And you know what it says next? That Boaz's mother was a woman named 
Rahab. So you begin to see how a woman who started out as a prostitute gives her heart to Jesus and Jesus completely revises her future and she's in the bloodline of our Lord and Savior Jesus. She is a great, 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 great grandmother of King David. And you say, how can that be? That's what happens when human beings give their heart to Jesus and they begin to live under the blood of the, of the Lamb. See, it didn't matter her past or her present. The only thing that mattered at that time was she gave her heart to Jesus and Jesus changes her future. You want to know another interesting fact? There's only two women listed in the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. One is Abraham's wife, Sarah. And in Hebrews eleven thirty one, it has a woman in there named a harlot called Rahab. You guys should have shouted. I'm telling you, you guys should have shouted. You should have shouted. God still not only saves us, He wants to move you in your future here while you're still on earth. And so as I read that, I said this last week. What I do in the natural, I shouldn't be doing that. But because the God who saved me and restored, He gave me a future. And He uses people just like that over and over. And remember I said a a week ago, at a young age, I was full of the devil myself. But God not only saved me and my brother cast the devil out of me in Jesus, He revised my future. And as I looked at my life, I can truly say this, and I'll ask this question and see how many of you agree with me. I wouldn't be married to the woman I'm married to right now if Jesus wouldn't have came into my life. How many of you would agree in your life? There's no doubt in my mind. But because Jesus comes into my life, it revises everything within me. See, it's the same with each one of us. I can tell you, not only does Jesus want to save you today, He wants to revise your future. It's just not where you start, it's where you end up. And understand this, is as long as I keep coming under the blood of Jesus, He moves in my life. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.